0: The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast, looking at the DPP third tier movie list, will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball, who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast, and will release one episode each month covering two films from the tier three DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives.
1: Ah.
0: They were called nasties and they were
2: nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These
1: films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well an extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.
3: Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast, episode number 10. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm joined, as always, by the co-host with the most, Mr Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. How are you
4: doing, sir? Uh, How are you doing, mate? Yes, I'm really good, thanks. I'm ready for another plethora of vileness this
3: evening. uh, uh, I kind of feel like we're shortchanging our listeners as only two of these movies have rape. Um, oh, yeah, do yeah, yeah. I kind
4: of feel. One of them's basically uh, got right pretty much all the way through it, though, from start to finish.
3: So. Yeah, yeah. It's quite, it's quite, a, quite a, 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 Is it bad that when I, I read that,
4: <clears throat>
3: when I read that the the film was released in 1969, I giggled? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 69. like like a fucking school. And kid. there's nudie
4: ladies all the way through. It's pretty poor, pretty much.
3: Yeah. Once again, had I known about this movie in my my, my youth um, I would have had a pirated copy of this for sure, yep. it would have probably been worn out in certain places um, <laughs> an hour
4: and a half to get through it all stopping <laughs> and starting stopping and starting this is the
3: weirdest porno story ever uh, funnily enough actually I've just put the links to the movies up on the facebook page today and the only full stream that i could find um maybe someone out there can find a better one the only full stream i could find of decent quality of this movie
4: is actually on a porn site (laughs) oh really (laughs) i managed to download it off torrents yes oh it's up there yeah you you can definitely get off the love Camp seven it actually says in brackets softcore nazi porn (laughs) yeah yeah. Which is basically right. what it is.
3: Yeah, about right. Uh, yeah, so um, we're doing three movie reviews again on this show from the infamous Prosecuted list. We'll be doing uh, a review of The Last House on the Left yep. from 1972, Love Camp 7 <laughs> from 1969. It seems like it should be like a charming sort of Butlins. <laughs> so, so, maybe, it does, yeah. Not it's so it much. And uh, not like <laughs> that at all. And uh, Madhouse, A.K.A. And, uh, when she was bad, and there was a little girl, um, which I I like. I can see why they went with Madhouse. Or to yeah. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's 80 is
4: doesn't 80, it? 80. Isn't it? The other one, <laughs> the other yeah,
3: j- just a little bit uh, from nineteen eighty-one. So uh, looking forward to getting into those reviews. However. As always, right at the start, I need to ask you what you've been up to.
4: What have I been up to? I've been watching uh, some of my Blu-rays. Got through a few at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, watched Child's Play on Blu-ray, which is great, good to revisit that. Um, I watched Mad Max as well. Ah, The Road Warrior. In preparation for the new Mad Max, that is apparently getting rave reviews. Yep. I've uh, not read
3: makes- one I've not read one yet that hasn't hasn't given it maximum marks. I was checking no. about, I've checked about seven or eight of the big yeah. sources to it's all maximum marks.
4: And, uh, one of my criticisms when I first saw the trailer was that it was a bit too unrealistic because there was too many beautiful people for what was meant to be like this post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. But then I read in the review today that they're breeders, the good-looking oh. people. Which kind of made me think, oh, cool, they've actually like put a reason for that then. Because that was my main criticism, that it was going to be too polished, too clean, too many good-looking people. But if they are specifically been picked to breed, obviously because the, the human race is kind of dying out, I thought, well, that's a fucking box tick for me, that they've yeah. kind of covered that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of given me hope that this might actually be really fucking good. Um, so yeah, the Road Warrior is just amazing. Um, the transfer on Blu-ray is great. Uh it's so clear, and those, the the landscapes, the cinematography in that film is fucking brilliant, and watching it on Blu-ray is just awesome, so I'm really psyched. I'm going to break my no cinema rule, because I don't really like going to cinema, because I'm always... No, I'm disappointed. i just wait and get it on Blu-ray and watch it at home. I don't like being surrounded by knobheads grazing on food, <laughs> um, on their phones and things. So I don't really go to cinema. The last thing I think I went to watch at the cinema was Godzilla. Uh, oh Jesus that's a while ago cost me about 25 quid um, and I was just livid I just weren't impressed and I probably would have enjoyed it on Blu-ray it's just the whole you build it up too much when you go cinema Um, so I don't really like to go I think before that was Dark Knight Rises before that probably Rambo 4
3: fucking
4: hell uh, I don't really go cinema and uh, I'm going to break that rule for this because um, I just think it looks amazing Um, Mm -hmm. so what have you been up to?
3: Um, not a whole hell of a lot either. I recorded a, a bunch of shows for my other show, which uh, you were on one of them. I was. Uh, I yeah, was. we talked about um, a couple of interesting movies: uh, Crawl Space from nineteen eighty-five, um, which is a weird fucking little movie, um, and Tourist Trap, which I think we both universally agreed
4: is pretty much fucking awesome. Great, yeah, just a creepy film. Yeah, that made me laugh as well. I was just. Uh, Remembering the episode last week, you played a clip, didn't you, of a guy um, talking about censorship?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the guy that did Island of Death. They
4: did I it. started pissing myself at work, which is embarrassing when you've got your headphones in and no <laughs> one knows you're listening to a podcast because he sounds like the cookie monster.
3: Mm-hmm. It does a wee bit. It does a wee bit. Well, that
4: was fucking brilliant!
3: I get the feeling that when he was talking about how his movie was censorship if someone had just given him a cookie, he probably would have been happy. <laughs> cookie! <Yeah. laughs> that, I didn't say that. I, was, I was on board with quite a lot of what he said until he started going down this right-wing totalitarian dictatorship, and I was like, "That ah, it's a movie, dude." Yeah, you come know what on. I mean, thank you too. If if they were if they were burning the movies burning books destroying if they were doing an ISIS basically if they were doing what ISIS is doing right now then maybe I would agree with you but they're not yeah so and your movie is pretty cheap. Let's be honest. It's not exactly. It's not a castle, right? That's all I'm saying.
4: That's it. I mean, come on, the island of death. I don't know if anyone's watched it, um, but <laughs> a weird one. it's worth watching for the pure entertainment value. I think um,
3: we needed that
4: last week. We
3: totally needed that just to uh, kind of almost as the sorbet palate cleanser to a large. Five course meal. We kind of needed that just to take the taste of rape out our mouth. Yeah, exactly.
4: Um, we've we've kind of got that tonight, actually, because the first two films are a rapeathon, and then the third one isn't. So. Yeah,
3: it's completely different as well. It's. Um it's surprising that uh, this one, uh, the last one's actually on the list at all, even though I have a feeling that I know why it's on the list. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know if you have anything else you want to see at the start of the show, but we've got a heavy hitter coming up in The Last House on the Left. Let's get into that. Awesome, right, so we're going to take a short break. When we come back, oh my God, it's Last House on the Left. You're going to hear some promos for shows on the network and some intelligent people telling you as, as to why they think That movie was banned. We'll be right back after this. Yeah. I'm Cootie.
5: And my name is X. We're the hosts of Kiss the Goat. Now, this has nothing to do with farming or bestiality. In fact, there seems to be a little confusion about what Kiss the Goat is precisely about. Well, first and foremost, it's a company show. No, first and foremost, it's about devil movies, from the ridiculous to the sublime.
0: Uh, Right, but there's also a drinking game on every
1: episode.
5: Well, yeah, okay, but there's also a news segment on each show detailing the weird battle between good and evil. Okay, but there are also a lot of running gags. Yeah, but we also answer any and all questions from our listeners, and sometimes that gets pretty deep.
0: But there are also terrible puns, and foul language, and a hefty dose of irreverence and light-hearted
1: blasphemy.
5: <laughs> there is that. Well, I think it's safe to say that there's nothing quite like Kiss the Goat anywhere else out there. Yeah, we don't even know what it's about, and we created the damn thing. <laughs> so join us, won't you, on Kiss the Goat exclusively on the Horrorfilia Network? We make evil fun, or we make fun evil. We we don't know.
2: Last house on the left, the most notorious and and much uh, banned, censored, withdrawn, argued about of all the, the films on the the Video Nasties list. Wes Craven's first overground film as a director, the foundation of his career. It's actually, of the films on the nasties list, it's one of the ones that still quite unpleasant to watch but in a sort of challenging way rather than you know a trash exploitative way i would argue for it as a as a real film uh, a film worthy of sort of debate and discussion and and that but there is no denying that it still contains lots of disembowelment and rape and and uh, chainsaw torture and uh uh, the, the kind of gory stuff that really ticked off the the censorious. if your idea of, of horror was yeah you know, a hammer film or even uh, the exorcist or something like that then seeing a movie like this it's kind of raw aesthetic in your face uh, grimy look particularly in the degraded video version was genuinely shocking there was really genuinely a sense of what have we rented out here
1: It rests on 13 acres of earth over the very center of hell. Here is the first motion picture to offer, to the daring, a look into the final, maddening space between life and death. The last house on the left. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Sights and sounds far beyond anything you've tested. The last house on the left. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Take as much as you can. Only a movie.
2: Ah,
3: Welcome back, so first movie review of this episode number 10 is The Last House on the Left from 1972, directed by the master of horror Wes Craven, Yeah, um, yeah, which is quite funny to see where Wes Craven ended up as to where his roots are, I mean this is his Mm. first feature um, and it's, it's, I can't. I can't relate this director to Scream at all. No. <laughs> I really, really, really can't. No. It's like two totally different people. Um, but yes, yeah, so this is his, his, his very first movie. It was written by him, uh, directed by him. Uh, funnily enough, uh, one of the producers on this movie, Sean Cunningham. Um, yes, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, he of uh, Friday the Thirteenth fame, um, and uh, Sean Cunningham tells a very funny story. I can't remember what documentary it's on. Um, a really funny story about uh, how they managed to get this movie out in the states, because basically the the MPAA would not give it, you, you know, would would not release it at all without like cuts. So very similar I- to what you would expect over here, but would not release it without heavy cuts to to give it like an R rating. Um, yeah. So what what he did was he ran down the 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 kind of large studio that they had and basically took the R <coughs> rating off <laughs> or was it the unrated I think he took the unrated thing off okay. another movie and just Oh really? Yeah just spliced it in which is completely illegal and the Brilliant. movie went out with like that and played like that. No, like, I had fuck-
4: a mate when I was younger that he used to cut the fifteen certificate label off his videos and stick it over the eighteen certificates because he was only allowed <laughs> to watch fifteen movies. So he'd bring it home and his mum would go, What certificate's that? And he goes, it's a fifteen look and she'd go, Alright then carry on <laughs> That's genius. Similar.
3: Genius. Similar to that. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, last time on the left, stars uh, Sandra Peabody. We'll see Grantham. Uh, David Hess is back. The, the, yeah. the David Hess that we are talking about last week. Um, this role, obviously, uh, was the, the first one. Um, this is the one I actually influenced. This movie influenced um, House by the Edge of the Park. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so David Hiss is in it, Fred G. Lincoln, yep. uh, Mark Scheffler, uh, loads of folk. The synopsis is listed on IMDb. Um, there's not a lot of synopsis to this, to be honest. A pair of teenage girls are heading to a rock concert for uh, one's birthday. While trying to score marijuana in a city, the girls are kidnapped by a gang of psychotic convicts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, this movie a, a <laughs> it's funny. I remember the first time I saw it. Um, and I would have been I was really fucking young when I saw this movie like yeah. ridiculously young my big brother had a copy of this and I okay. saw it when I was about 9 or 10 and um, a lot of it didn't resonate with me I, I didn't I like at that age I didn't understand what a rape sequence was in a movie I just knew that the woman didn't want Whatever was happening, and that was yeah. quite upsetting. But obviously, it was yeah. the the murder that was the more impactful thing in the movie. You know, the, the murder, and then the revenge. Yeah, like even even at that age, I didn't understand like the, when the mother's giving the guy a blowjob and bites his cock. That mm. didn't resonate to me. I was just like, why did he bite his leg? I mean, because <laughs> I'm not thinking... I'm not yeah. thinking anything. I'm nine. Would I not. I, I, why would you put your penis,
4: penis in someone's mouth?
3: What's... That's, that's <laughs> disgusting. You know what comes out of that? Uh, so, um, that's, that's so unsanitary. Um, so, I didn't, I didn't see the movie until several years later, and when I watched it the second time, it was... All the more horrific because I then knew what was happening in this movie, and yeah. um, I've have, I've have got mixed feelings about this. I, I I certainly think that it's as exploitation cinema goes or grindhouse cinema goes. Um, this is kind of top tier. Yeah, in, in terms of because it re- it really is tackling with a lot. Wes Craven himself said that the whole idea behind this was that you could see horrible acts being done on TV during Vietnam uh, these horrible things that were done so all he basically did was took that and put it into a movie um, yeah. and it was funny how you could watch it on the news fine but if you put it in a, a movie it's banned um yeah. you know that this kind of this weird sort of kind of irony of of kind mm. of actually trying to make art out of something which is you know which was happening um, and yeah. i think the once again, the group of like psychopathic killers, as they're calling them, or convicts, or whatever, um, yeah. are all quite you know really quite interesting characters, all totally different. Mm. So you, you have the you have the the kind of the, the main the main dude, the the kind of suit wearing spiky grey haired dude, who yeah. is probably he's probably the most intelligent one in the group, but. Yeah. As a result of that, he's probably he's probably arguably the most sadistic. Even though David Hess's character is the one that does the rape, and yeah, he's a child molester, isn't
4: he? The guy in the suit, yeah,
3: yeah, he's he's oh. probably the yeah he's probably the you know David Hess may do the most horrible things in in the movie, but I don't think he's necessarily the most horrible character. Um, no. The woman who seems to be sleeping with everyone, but no sleeping with everyone, and she. She's probably, what I don't, I understand why they probably put that in to, to, you know, if it was just another group of guys going around doing murder, it's, you know, there's nothing special about the movie, but when you put that female element as, in it as well, it kind of uh, shines a spotlight on the things that, you know, women are capable of crime as well, which I think yeah. quite an interesting concept, whether it was deliberate or not. You've got David Hesse's character, who's obviously, he's the, he's the real He's the real sadistic character on screen, uh, yeah. in terms of the violence he, you know, goes and there's there's a fucking wonderful scene after he rapes. Now, when I say wonderful scene, I, let me go into detail about this, just in case you <laughs> think I'm a complete fucking sick guy. There's a wonderful scene after the rape, where you know he's finished raping her and she's she's on the ground, and the camera pans up to him and there is a look of kinda and it goes over all of them, but most prominently on David Hess a look of kind of disgusted guilt at what he's done.
4: Right.
3: And it's, it's just for a flash. Like, when you watch it, it's literally just for a flash. It lasts about two seconds. And yeah. it's not like... It's not the way his face was before the rape. And it's like, once he does that, there's a kind of turning point. And then he kind of shakes off, and then he obviously goes and brutally kills the, the, the girl with a gun. So basically... Yeah the The reason I I don't think we have to stretch too far as to why this was banned. and um, no. it's got e- explicit rape, torture, and murder. Um, so I'm I'm guessing that might be it. I don't think I, I know we're going to get into this. Um, I, I don't think this is one of the most effective on the list, though. And I I have I have problems with tone in this movie. Um, yeah. Especially when when it comes to... I understand the choice of soundtrack in Cannibal Holocaust. completely understand that, because it's modern filmmaking. It's trying to legitimise this idea of a found footage sort of scenario. I I can understand that. I can't understand the use of kind of bungling music in this. The really, Uh, really stupid... Police David officers. Hess
4: wrote a lot of the music, you know. Um,
3: I did know that, and the music's good. I just think it's—I I it's, think it's weirdly juxtaposed in this movie, and not in a way where it's trying to. I don't think it's necessarily trying to to do something as clever as *Cannibal Holocaust*. I think it's it's weird in here. I don't like the cop characters at all. I think the cop characters no. are inject some sort of humor in a movie which really doesn't need humor. Um, I mean, of all the movies that, you know, doesn't need humour, this one really doesn't, because we're going from, kind of, uh, this is kind of like a rape revenge, but in that the revenge is not per- uh, perpetrated by the, the, the victim, but it's the victim's no. parents. Yeah. And there's 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 a bit of weird writing in this as well, I don't think the writing for the movie is great overall um in terms of the parents, how they come to the conclusion that something's happened seems a bit ham fisted and then yeah. there's there's quite a lot of things I don't necessarily think work great in the movie. I will say though, the sequence where the other than the the complete Scooby Doo sequence, which is the first time I've ever noticed this in this movie. See when the first girl goes running off. Yeah. Like in the woods and then the two of them are the two of them are chasing after it, and there is a bit where the two of them are standing looking down the hill, and then they both go separate ways, and the character they're looking for is behind them running up a hill with the music playing in the background, and it's like a scene from fucking Scooby Doo. Um, yeah. I was just waiting for them to go in and out of doors and come out the other <laughs> way, and you know, yeah. one one second the two of them are together, and now the victims with the you know that sort of thing, but um, the the way. Then one's okay. got a lampshade
4: on the head running past. <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
3: you, you can't see me on my tree. She's holding yeah. sticks at her mouth. Um Yeah, the way this movie hits hard for me is the 20 or so minutes in the woods with the two girls the and gra- the gang of psychotics, which is incredibly unsettling. Um, yeah the the way they the way they talk them the things they make them do you know when they force one character to piss herself yeah. um, that is degrading on a level which I I mean it's as it's, it's it's fucking very very uncomfortable to watch and the fact that they then laugh at her when she does it you know oh we made her do it yeah that's really funny um, mm. the fact to make them undress each other and one of the characters is actually saying I don't like this you know I, yeah I, and I just, the other one's I, saying
4: it, this is really erotic you know? as well like yeah, the woman yeah thinks it's really erotic. Yeah, the other guy. The other guy's Krug's son, isn't he?
3: Yes, that's right.
4: Who's basically got hooked on heroin so he, he's completely dependent on him. Um I mean yeah the song thing's weird, like it's got one gonna be one of the only movies I've ever seen where the theme song is basically telling you what the characters are gonna do later on yeah. in the film. Like one of yeah. the lyrics is off off them as soon as we're done. It's a really fucking weird uh, music, but for me, like that weird, like the the, the weird like Scooby Dooness like, and the goofy cops and the weird kind of mondo like goofy music, um, and which they do in the final episode of Sons of Anarchy, which is fucking weird. There's like a car chase happening, and they've got that weird yeah. goofy music, so out of place. But in this, like that makes the horrible stuff even more unsettling for me. Right. Rather than makes it a bit like, and I can't. I'm trying to think of another film that we've talked about where there's horrible stuff happening, but because the rest of the tone of the movie is so shit, it kind of completely. I think like House on the Edge of the Park maybe. Yeah. But With this, yeah. like the um, yeah, like the, the almost like the tongue-in-cheek kind of whimsicalness of, of like the music and the bumbling cops that makes it more unsettling. The the, the horrible shit in the woods. And um, which is weird because I didn't think that I didn't think it'd do that. I thought I think it'd make me think the film was a bit shit. But it doesn't. It kind of has the opposite effect. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the the sort of the humiliation stuff for me is is what worse than the rape. It's actually the the worst thing I think I've seen in any of the films we've watched so far. It's it's, right. it's it unsettled me more than anything else we've seen. Like the bit that got me because what I noticed. When they first capture these girls, you know when they're like going to the house and they go, right, we've got you, and they shut the door. Yeah, yeah. The girls aren't, like their acting's really shit at the predicament they're in. One of them is just kind of putting her hands to her mouth and almost like off screen they've been going, right, look, look shocked, look surprised. Like it's really crap acting. Mm-hmm. But once the horrible humiliation stuff starts in the woods, the acting's really fucking believable. And there's a scene where like they're making them strip and the obviously the stronger one of the two the two females is kind of trying to reassure the other one that it'll be okay, and she 's like pulling her knickers down and they're kind of halfway down around her knees, and she's really crying, and her friends like going, "Look, you know, come on, it'll be okay. That was so fucking realistic and so unsettling for me that's the worst thing, and made me feel more uncomfortable than anything else we've watched so far
3: I th- well no, I, th- I think we've I think we've spoken about this before Andy. I think um There's there's certain things that are... There's certain things in horror that I think have more of an impact for me. I mean, I've always said that there are... I'm not really scared by a lot of supernatural stuff. It it doesn't necessarily get under my skin. I find it quite fascinating. But because I don't necessarily believe in it... Yeah. It doesn't have that impact for me. The the things that tend to make me... uh, sleep uneasy at night or the things that tend to make me feel uncomfortable to watch are really really get under my skin and bury in my mind are when people do things to people that i know probably do happen in, in yeah. real life you know what i mean and yeah. when someone can do something and i think we spoke about this on this show as well when someone can force something some someone to do something and then they belittle them for doing it yeah. Laugh or point or whatever—that to me is, is fucking horrible. It's like really, it, it, it really makes me uncomfortable. And I would agree mm. with you because the rape sequence in this movie isn't isn't a I spit in your grave rape sequence. You know what I mean? This is like is basically
4: very like, short. It's it is
3: very short, but it's it, we're, we're not really we're not giving it any graphic detail of anything or that at all. We're just kind of we focus very much on just their faces and her expression and how she's trying to block it out and all the rest. Um, the 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 whole the whole thing of this movie I think is based on that kind of psychological cerebral torture, which builds up to the point of these two characters being being murdered. And I think um, it's it's really. It's really fucking well done. I mean, it's like that aspect of this movie is incredibly well done. I just think yeah. that on some level it does a disservice to it when two seconds later we're trying to see two cops trying to sit on a chicken fucking van and, you know, and, things like that. Like And I understand Wes Craven's always done this with all his movies. He has a quirky sense of humour. Watch any yeah. of them. Even watch the movie he does after this, which is a hell, You know house Have Eyes. and mm. There is quirky humour in that in that movie as well, when you look at like uh, uh, Michael Berryman and stuff like that, you know yeah. he's, you know, there's a quirky humour in that. He does that with a lot of his movies, so I understand that. I think it is overtly present in this movie. Um, it kind of reminds me of something like, uh, hey, the town yeah. that dreaded sundown. Oh when yeah, yeah. The, yeah. When you watch the original town that dreaded sundown, all the cops have this goofy fucking hillbilly music playing over the top of them. They're all kind of yeah. almost comedic characters yeah. juxtaposed against this sadistic sex killer um, and it's it, that is one of the reasons I don't think that movie works and I would say that it's not as bad in the Last House on the Left I could be doing without it um, mm. I think the the, the kind of Home Alone-esque set up of traps in the house at the end is pretty cool um, I, I like. I even like the, the idea that the dad busts out a fucking cupboard with a chainsaw, I'm like fucking yeah. yes chainsaw that motherfucker um, mm. I, I, I quite like the fact that even the cops coming in can't stop the two parents from killing the last two that they're doing they've already pretty much made their mind up that's what they're going to do I like that yeah. aspect yeah. as well I think that is I think that is also really 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 cool um, I will say up front and honest I hate the fucking remake to this movie I mean they hate it with a passion um, What does he hate about it? Well I think um, probably most Kind of gets me about the original. is, like I say, the there's something very realistic about that level of sadism in the woods. You know that the you know the way it's shot and it just feels gritty and it feels really it feels real. Yeah. I think the the remake totally loses that. I I think that what they go for is more shock than necessarily trying to get in your head or trying to really upset you. I think they go for cheap shocks in that movie, which I think yeah. undermines the the I think it undermines the purpose of that movie. And I, I'm not a I'm not a remake hater, you know there there's tons of remakes out there that I really like. Yeah. Um but this one will always be very similar to how I feel about the I Spit in your grave remake in that I think what they do is they take They take the aspect of something which is this kind of rape revenge sort of scenario, and the remake they kind of twist it to like a torture porn level. Like the gore is ridiculous, and don't get me started on the microwave scene in the remake, which is.
4: Do you know what? Right, I haven't got a problem. I've got I've got a problem with how over the top the microwave scene is because of I don't. I mean, does the daughter die in the remake? I don't think she does. Does she?
3: No, no, she does. There's Uh, another thing. Yeah, she doesn't die. Yeah.
4: Um, but I still think there's something a bit almost jokey about linking something up to a microwave and a bit like, you know, they have to throw a punchline in before. But I don't see the criticism with the logistics of that because they do talk about the fact that the microwave is faulty earlier in the film.
3: Yeah, but
4: it's... Which explains why why it can work with used. the door.
3: Yeah, it's explained why it's used. But, I yeah, I think it's, it's tenure. I don't think you need that microwave scene and no. I mean, why but, why you use know, why use a microwave when you I have know, everything else?
4: Yeah, it is ridiculous. But aside from the microwave scene, just if you just put that to the side and pretend that doesn't happen, now I think the revenge in the remake is is much better is far better executed than it is in the original. I,
3: uh, yeah, I would say I would say that the cat. I think the 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 acting of the parents is better. Yeah. The, uh, and the in the remake for sure. Yeah, I, I think that is definitely. Definitely better. I, I don't. I, 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 think the way the way I think about it is that these two characters, the parents in the original movie, uh, you know, one of them's a doctor or whatever, and, and you know, the other one's just a housewife. That I can imagine she's pretty powerless. So if she mm. was going to use anything, she probably would appeal to this fucking rapist. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I um, think that's totally. I think that's totally believable. I was going to say, unlike something in, like, I spit on your grave where I was questioning whether it was believable that a rapist victim would go back for more, she yeah. he doesn't know that she's the mother of that girl at this point. He, exactly. just, thinks a bored, he just thinks it's a bored housewife who's yeah. up for and she, it. But. She
3: totally plays into that, and I think that works really well. I think uh, that the dad setting up the electric Door handle things a bit fucking a a, a wee bit too quirky, and yeah, yeah, I I really like the attack with the chainsaw. I wouldn't Mm. say for one second that in the remake, I don't necessarily think that the revenge is better, I just think the revenge is too over the top. For I, I, I just don't, I think if I was a grief stricken parent. And something like that had happened to me. I think I would want to. Yeah, I would want to make the character suffer on some level. But I would yeah. want that. I would, I would want that justice first. I think the. I think the remake the 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 start blowing things out of proportion for me, and I think it loses me. Like I say, I think sometimes less is more. I mm. like that idea. I think Last House on the Left works really well as a movie in a lot of facets. Because it is so stripped back and it is so basic, I think yeah. when you start putting that, when you start putting too much into the movie, um, you forget what maybe necessarily makes the original so effective, um, and that's that's where I land on that one. I didn't I didn't like I I think like I say my 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 theory on my statement on I spit in your grave remake is they take something which is a rape revenge and they make it a torture porn and I kind of feel the same. And it's a shame. I think even if they made, if they went back and if they made the Last House on the, the Left remake in the last two or three years, I think it'd be a far more interesting film. I think because yeah. we've, we've moved away from that. There's still kind of torture move movies out there, but we've kind of moved away for the most part away from that. But yeah. I think you look at something like Starry Eyes and you see the killing sequence at the you know, towards the end of Starry Eyes and you see how that's ex- executed on an indie budget. And it's just very. Very, in fact, if anything, it evokes a lot of the the seventies in terms of style. It's just visceral and angry and raw and sharp and realistic and brutal and bloody and all the rest. That's how that's how you film that revenge sequence. At, at yeah. The end. You don't you don't give it the sheen and polish that they do in their remake. Um and yeah, I yeah I even thought the killers in the remake looked a bit too nice. You know they looked a bit they look a bit right. too pretty, you know what I mean? Right. To be like the thing about that these group of, of killers in the Last House on the Left is they are completely all oddball. They all look really fucking. They they very much like when we watch that movie Axe. Yeah. Or Lisa, Lisa, um, and I said to you that I couldn't understand for one second why this group of criminals would be pieced together because all three of them were of different age generations, all dressed differently. They all yeah. You know, it didn't make any sense why they were hanging out. It's the same thing in this movie to an extent that the, on paper none of these people really should be together. The only thing they have in common is are convicts. But, you know out with that that they're all they all do different things you tend to find the cr- the criminal system they, they kind of you know even rapists look look a uh, look down from with contempt on child rapists or child molesters you know yeah I, yeah I, I, there's, there's there's weird things like that and I understand they don't want to go into too much detail on it but I, I think just the remake to me is just a bit too a bit too clean um in mm. terms of how it looks and at yeah. the same time it's it doesn't give me, doesn't get it doesn't get under my skin like that the original does. That like I say that twenty minutes in the woods of the original movie is is the sort of shit that when you see it stays with you. You know what I mean? Really yeah, it, it does. Really it stays with you. Yeah, and I think that's maybe I think that's maybe the big difference that when they go to remake it they can't. They can't do that anymore. You can't do what they do in that movie. You can obviously have a rape and all the rest. But
4: yeah, I mean, the humiliation thing, it wouldn't go yeah. down well, would it, with modern audiences? I, think, I don't know if it yeah. had passed a uh, BBFC, to be honest. Oh, no, but I don't think it would be
3: released. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that aspect's gone, and that aspect's the bit that terrifies me the most. So, yeah. yeah. I think
4: humiliation is such a, a powerful tool. I read a story about a series of bank robberies where the first thing they do is basically handcuff the security guards and then pull their trousers and pants down. Brilliant. so they just basically had their knobs out and they all just sat there and they wouldn't like no there was no fucking you know like you expect someone to be a hero and jump up and like attack the bad guys as soon as they pulled the fucking trousers and pants down and these security guards were sitting there with the knobs out they all just sat there like quiet little children and didn't say a word Yeah. so it just shows like the power of that kind of humiliation it's yeah, so yeah. fucking powerful and yeah in this movie it's it is brutal and for me it's the worst bit about it I mean making a obviously they say you know piss your pants or I'm going to cut your friend and yeah. then they're not bluffing because they really do cut her, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And then obviously she pisses herself. I mean, they carve carve the name in her chest as well. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. Um,
3: I mean, the whole. Though, the, I think. I think that, that's what I'm saying. Is 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 weird that, like, Craven kind of feels. I, I think on some level, Craven kind of feels like the rest of the movie, or with the cops in the movie, he needs to atone. On some level, for for the horrible things he does in those sequences, that Maybe, he feels yeah. like he needs to make it up to the audience on some level. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, the the fact that they are so evil and the sadistic things they do in the movie, it, it just makes you root for the parents in the movie that bit yeah. more. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, there's. Uh, had i had i seen this movie when it first came out i would never have believed that wes craven would become one of the directors that would kind of dominate horror for the next it, re, it redefines decades i mean like when you look at the 70s either this movie or um house of eyes are huge huge staples of 70s horror cinema um, and yeah. you look at the 80s and you have Nightmare Net- uh, Elm Street, which defines yeah. that decade. Scream defines the decade after. You know, you would never believe that it would, you know, that this guy that did this would be able to turn his hat to to really good story writing and really good character development because this movie doesn't necessarily have that. Um no. But what it does have is it does have, a, almost like a, a direct line. To to things that make me uncomfortable, and it, it plays quite heavy on that, it leans quite heavy on that, in those sequences in the woods, um, and when that when that girl gets shot, when she's walked with, I mean, she's, I mean, she she walks down towards that 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 lake and and goes in there, and our character is is all but dead, really. Yeah, I she's mean, just given rap- up. The, yeah, the rape's kind of taking the life away from her anyway. And on some level, you you can look at it as that it's a mercy killing from the the criminals' point of view, or it's just the next level of sadism. Um, mm. And I quite like the fact that you could have that kind of grey line, in a movie like this where you where yeah, you, yeah. you can take it, you can stand back and 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 argue on either side of that. And like I say, I think that Hesse's it's that facial expression that always sticks with me right after the rape where the camera pans up and they all kind of look a wee bit like you kind of but it's
4: weird, on. it's strange that it's the rape that they think is too far, after all the other stuff that they've done, it's yeah, the rape that puts over the edge which is strange isn't it
3: it is, it is it's weird and considering that one of the characters is a rapist anyway, so you know you would, you would have thought
4: and the child molester as yeah, well, the yeah,
3: other guy. Yeah, wouldn't have thought of, 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 in the grand scheme of things, of crimes that would have that effect, but I, I don't know if it's like an adrenaline dump for them, that once that's done, you know, the full realisation of what they have done kind of settles in. And just honestly, for like five seconds, you get that kind of glimpse. And it's like a really honest look. You know, it's like it really, it, it, I, I don't know how... Deliberate it is, but it's acting of a really, really high standard. Uh, Cause it is mm. realistic, is believable. Um, yeah. But then you know, two seconds later, they switch off and they follow her down and kill her. And um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, there's a reason it's, it's it's considered one of the heavy hitters on the list. Um, and I I mean, I think a show like ours you know, it's good to sit down and watch these movies in context to all the other. Movies that we have, you know, we've already seen which are heavy hitters. I mean, you can you can yeah. start to compare them, like you said to to me in a message earlier on. That the way this movie makes you feel is kind of on some level worse than how, you know, I spit in your grave makes you feel. And I'm not there. Yeah. I, I think I spit in your grave kind of makes me feel. It kind of makes me feel worse because there isn't that kind of goofy element in that movie. Um, but I understand exactly where you're coming from. I think that the 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 kind of psychological torture and breakdown of those two girls is is one of the most unpleasant things I've ever seen in cinema.
4: Yeah, I think that's that's the difference actually. Um, I think mean, Vanessa was saying that most rapes are a, more a power thing than a sexual gratification thing. Yeah. Um, but with Last House, I mean, sorry, with I Spit on Your Grave. I think it's more you led to believe that it is just some kind of sexual gratification for them. I think more than the power, especially with the people that are a bit a less intelligence in that movie. Yes. And for me, like, I think that is less disturbing that it's just that thing of that they want sex. And once they've got it, they kind of leave her alone. Whereas the humiliation thing in this doesn't appear to be sexually motivated, so it could go on for hours. And yes. I think that's why it's fucking disturbing. Um, because like once the rapes happened like your urge to rape is disappeared whereas it's almost like they're insatiable when it comes to the torture and the humiliation and and inflicting pain and the sadism and that like that can't be, I don't think you can have your fill of that, do you know what I mean you can just get bored of doing it and think fuck it I'll just do something else but there's no like climax where you then think ah I'm not bothered anymore and I think that's why it's more disturbing because the humiliation it could fucking just go on and on and on
3: yeah, as as, uh, um, as they talk about with serial killers, how serial killers will go through a variety of different things to to find the right thing and it gets them off. You know what I mean in yeah. terms of the kill. Uh, but then after time, that no longer gets them off. So and they, they have to up start. It. Yeah, they have to up the ante each time, and it is that it's that constant need for not murder, but it's that constant need for sexual gratification and the humiliation. there. all three. of These characters are getting off on it. In the room, so they're totally getting off on that. And like you say, you never really get your fill of that. I mean, I've never met any person in the history of the world that's ever told me that, you know, this is my last wank and I'm never having another one again. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like people just generally, there there is that that kind of sexual drive in everyone to do that when it gets tied to that sort of part of your psyche, when it gets tied to humiliation and embarrassment. The, the there are very few taboos and boundaries that can't be broken with that and i think this yeah. movie gives you a glimpse and that's the, the i think that's one of the beauties of it as well is we hear at the beginning we hear the the characters biogs or profiles over the 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 announcement thing and they're pretty yeah. horrible and you think they're pretty horrible but then you get to spend some time with them first hand and you realize that it's far worse than anything that's been said on tv and i yeah. think that's and you kind of think to yourself you know, what else have like if you know you try to fill the blanks? What else have these characters done? You know, in their time and whatnot. And I think I, just think it's. I think I think the movie does a lot right. It does a hell of a lot right. Um, and yeah, I think uh, yeah we need to we need to we need to agree I'll kind of want to come down on on what I think. in terms Go on, of then. Right. So to me, this is. I, I I don't think in any good conscience I couldn't give this movie a hard time. I think it needs it needs that band on it just because there is that that horrible level of of kind of perverse humiliation on characters which is just not pleasant at all to watch and I think it definitely needs to be on the list I think kind of the by by its very nature by its principle by its purest form the list is set up for movies like this. Whether yeah. I agree with it or not, it's something different. But I believe the list is set up for this. This is what it was. It was designed to stop thirteen-year-olds seeing movies like this. It clearly didn't do a very good job because I saw it when I was nine. Um, <laughs> so, congratulations, yeah. well done, Britain. We applaud thee. Um What you about yourself? Say-
4: <laughs> okay. Um, for one last thing, I just wanted to say. You were saying you weren't sure whether it was a deliberate choice to put a woman in there. I think it possibly was, and if it if it was deliberate by Wes Craven I think that's a really good move because it throws you off. Because yeah. in in movies, and I suppose in real life, if you suppose if you looked at the criminal statistics, it is really unusual for a woman to be involved in this kind of thing, and yeah. certainly in, in in films, it's really unusual. So I think to put a woman to be enjoying this as much as the others. I mean, it's not like the woman, when the rape happens, goes, oh, God, we shouldn't have done that. I know you say there's, like, the brief look on all their faces, but she doesn't have any fucking, like, um, regret at all. And I think out of all the characters that you thought might have regret, I thought the woman might be placed there deliberately to set it up so she's the one that maybe even helps the family at the end. Yes. But that never happens. That never happens, and I think that's a really good move because I think you're led to believe that the woman's going to be the one that kind of softens and, and thinks, "Fuck, this is this is wrong," and she's not. She's a total, almost like she hangs around with rapists and that because that's her thing. She, you know, yeah. she finds murderers and the rapists, and she and that's what she's attracted to. And um, so I think that's a really good move. Um, aside from the ending, which I kind of on par, I put it on par with Fight for Your Life in as much as I don't, I don't get the payoff that I was looking for because I just yeah, I agree with that. Enough. Um, the buy in the cock off bit is fantastic. I think that's that's on par with cutting his knob off in Iceberg in the Grave. I think it's believable. I think it's brutal, and it does the job. I think he deserves that. As an audience, you think fucking yeah, he's like that. That really gets you. Um, but the rest of it, I think it's just like badly executed. It's like a poorly executed fight scene, and um, like the one in I Fight for Love. it's so poorly executed it kind of ruins it. And, the, and him bumbling around with that chainsaw and all that. Um, I think him forcing his own kid to kill himself is brutal as fuck. Yeah, we didn't mention that. Um, David Hess basically makes him his kid put his, the gun in his mouth and blow his own head off, which is fucking crazy when you think. Yeah, you know, to, yeah, yeah. To i mean, never su- been
3: touched on that, but that's fucking...
4: Yeah, that's,
3: so that's... It's pretty harrowing.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah so aside from, from like those bits I think no question should it be on the list um, the only thing I was kind of weighing up in my mind is whether I should give it uh, community service or basically give it hard time And you know, because for me I don't think I've only given two other films hard time per, I have anyway um, so far and I kind of thought to myself even though there are some really stupid bits there's silly music there's bumbling cops falling off the top of a chicken van and all this kind of thing the humiliation aspect and the twenty-minute window of, of mm-hmm. kind of you know the the you know the standout scenes, which is obviously the reason that it was put on the list in the first place. If that affected me more than I spit on your grave, and I give I spit on your grave hard time, I've got to give this hard time. Yeah. Even, even aside with the, with the silly bits and the bits that aren't very you know that aren't very uh, convincing that 20 minutes alone puts it on the list. And that 20 minutes alone gives it hard time for me because it's really fucking uncomfortable. And I'd watch the rape scene on I Spit in Your Grave any day over sitting through kind of the humiliation and her crying and a mate kind of reassuring her. And it's just, it's, it's awful. Um, so, yeah, number, so for me, number three, the hard time. I think number four for you.
3: Yeah, it is indeed, Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah, brutal, pretty brutal stuff. Um, I would recommend. I think you've got to see this. It's. Uh, I think Mark Commode did a did a piece on this, saying this is essential cinema. Yes, this I movie. think
3: I would agree with him. Yeah, I think he's he's a he's actually a big advocate of this movie. He's, um, yeah, I, and oh. I, if, if you get a chance, check out any of the. He's done a documentary on it, I think, as well. And I think I think you can find them on YouTube. They're very very good to check out because he goes into a lot more depth about what happened before you've got the. you were saying you've got the
4: the three G- disc special edition I mean to be fair one of the discs is actually the rise and fall of the slasher so it's nothing to do with Last House on the left it's just a little bonus oh, disc yeah, um yeah. but the yeah but the two disc cut um the, the film is completely uncut but you also get the Krug cut as well Um which has got more more scenes in it um, and there's also some like photog- ph- photographic stills of some of the deleted bits um, where Sadie's raping the girls and there's other bits and bobs on there and there's like a documentary there's a thing actually that was in Leicester um, yeah in Leicester in 2002 there's a little cinema called The Phoenix which is about a mile from my house and uh, apparently they showed it for the first time on Cut in the UK and David Hess was there and did like a Q&A and he came on stage and performed a load of songs and things and there's footage of that on the disc um, so yeah it's well worth getting you can pick it up really cheap on Amazon um, it's well worth having even if you only watch the film once um, is this, the the multi- is it, this is
3: an American cut of it, though, but it's multi-region. Uh,
4: no? Just no, give is
3: it me UK? two. Is it give me two seconds. <laughs> this is the sound of Andy running into his his, his ma- massive palace, his mansion, the the Blockley um to go and uh, find his copy of it. He's returning. Yeah, he's to- right in front of me. i because I've just been
4: watching it earlier. Um, it's region two, unfortunately. All um, oh, right.
3: So no, it's is region two then.
4: Yeah. So, not, not good for our American listeners, yeah, but for our uh, British listeners. Actually, I'll reel off. It's great. It's got a feature-length commentary by Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham. It's got another commentary by David Hess, Mark Scheffler, and Fred Lincoln. Um, it's got a celluloid crime of the century, making of documentaries, 40 minutes. Um, cool crunk, uh, Krug Conquers England, which is a thing coming to Leicester. Um, which, I mean, I wouldn't have even known about that in 2002, but I'd fucking love to have gone to have watched that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's great. There's loads more stuff on there. Uh, this second disc, it's got the the complete alternate cut of the film, um, which is the Krugen Company cut. So yeah, if you can find that on Amazon, it's a fucking great little yeah, little set to have. Um, this is one of the few films that I specifically bought um, for for our you know for this show. Because yeah. I intended to own all of them initially, <laughs> um, <laughs> until you started watching of, some of them. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought, oh, no, this, these these are these are basically shit. Um, but yeah, this is the one. It's got over five hours of special features. So go and grab yourself a copy of that and uh, and check this movie out. Highly recommended.
3: Yes, definitely, definitely. So we're going to take a break just now. We're going to compose ourselves because um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about women's naughty areas <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah, here we guys?
0: are Yay!
3: Andy's going to be taking the lead (laughs) on the next review, which is Love Camp 7 from uh, 1969. Tee hee! Can't help it. 1969. Come on, pull yourself together. I need to pull myself together. Um, But first, you're going to hear some promos for shows on the network as well as learning people discussing the film. We'll be right back to give our views on it right after this.
2: There are many mysteries in this world and whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Boom! exclusively. On the
4: Horophilia Network of Podcasts.
1: Love Camp 7 is an early example of Nazi exploitation movies which became prevalent in the 1970s. Love Camp 7 is actually the very first. Nazi, nasty. It's nowhere near as gory or nasty as the later, later movies like Ilse, She-Wolf of the SS, but it is a particularly sleazy example of its kind, uh, with plenty of softcore gropings and um, Jewish women being harassed by sex-mad Nazis. One of my favourite scenes in the movie um, has this Alsatian dog being set on a line of uh, naked female prisoners. But you can see the dog's more interested in playing in the jet of water that they're hosing the prisoners down with, than he is in actually attacking the women.
2: Eventually, it was submitted on video or, or DVD to the British Board of Film Classification in 2002, and interestingly, they refused to pass it. So this is one of the nasties that does, in fact, remain banned.
1: The BBFC's last word on the subject, and the reason that they banned it in the first place, was they said that the, the whole purpose of the work is to invite male viewers to relish the spectacle of naked women being humiliated just for their titillation. Well, that's true. This motion picture is not a figment of the writer's imagination. It is based entirely on actual fact. Be prepared to let us take you inside the barbed wire gates of
2: Love. and 7. Both of these officers, having full knowledge of the assignment, have agreed to volunteer to help us. Your arrest and your subsequent
1: imprisonment into the women's camp has all been prearranged by Captain Kelly Perhaps your mission has not been clearly explained to you. For the next five days, you are going to be whores for the Third Reich. Without a doubt, the most total and complete study in reality this theater has ever had the privilege to present to its patrons. may not find this story amusing you may find it horrifying disgusting certainly you will not find it light entertainment but we guarantee that you will not live long enough to ever forget the things you will witness and experience inside love camp seven okay
4: and welcome back to movie number two of the evening um Oh dear! Love Camp Seven, another Nazi exploitation movie, um, and actually first one of the of the list, kind of the, of the exploitation movies from that, you know, the Nazi Germany kind of vibe. Um, from the USA, this nineteen sixty nine, it's the nights the swast on earth, <laughs> directed by Robert Lee Frost, uh, released December eighty two. Not added to to the list until April nineteen eighty five. Really So it slipped through the net for yeah, for ages, like a coup two and a half years compared to a lot of the other films that was snapped up usually within the first twelve months. I don't really know how this slipped through the net. Um it went unnoticed for a long, long time, but when it was finally added to the list in April eighty five, it stayed there. Um this is still banned today. You can't get this. Yeah. Uh, in the UK at least. Um movie starts we're introduced to our two lead girls um who we're told are apparently trained in guerrilla warfare and hand-to-hand combat i went really because <laughs> they, they, i don't mean to be sexist but they just didn't look like they could kill people with their bare hands oh and they're also trained in memorization yeah apparently um because they, that's they, the they thing- can remember everything they've got phone- That's the thing now, memorization. They've trained in that. They've got photographic memories, um, which is shoehorned into the story. They need it for something. Now, these are apparently, these two women have volunteered um, to be sent to Love Camp 7. Now, I don't know what happened to Love Camp 1 through 6, but (laughs) they're going straight to 7. Cock-hungry little minxes that they are, we basically find out that they're going to go there To be kind of living prostitutes um, for the the offices of the Third Reich. Um, I mean, it's weird. Like they they get shown a mission plan that basically looks like a five year old's drawn it, doesn't it? It's like kind of right. The barracks are here. The offices things here, and it's just. I thought, come on, like we meant. It's just so unbelievable that we're meant to. I mean the fact that they've volunteered for this is insane because what they've basically got to do when they get to Lump Camp 7 is just have sex with soldiers at will. Um they gotta do whatever they're asked of, basically. Um which is a bit weird because I thought Nazis are supposed to hate Jews, um, but apparently not. If they're kind of semi-attractive lady Jews, apparently they, they're all for it. Um, and it's weird, it's like the guy telling the story, we kind of find out at the end, I mean, this isn't a spoiler because it doesn't spoil anything, but we find out at the end, the guy telling the story, his wife was basically one of the women on the mission. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll, uh, actually, I quite reveled in tell- retelling this story. And I thought, Really? Like, this is a story about your wife being raped hundreds of times and you're going to revel in telling the story. Okay. Um, obviously, the, the trailer makes that and this is going to be some kind of pseudo-documentary. I mean, I've played the clip and it, it's trying to make us believe that this is real. This is real shit. It's telling us, you know, this is the most real thing committed to film. I mean, this is, it makes me laugh. There's, there's a woman that I work with who basically, if the movie at the beginning says inspired by true events, as far as she's concerned, it happened. <laughs> as far as she's concerned, everything oh, on the screen. No. When uh, it really annoys me, like when uh, Fargo came out, you know the series of Fargo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every week she go. Every week she go. I can't believe this really happened. <laughs> oh,
3: slapper! I guess Sheila, did. <laughs>
4: it's
3: slapper. Yeah,
4: I. I she goes, I can't, I can't believe this really happened. And I went, it didn't. She went, well, it does because it says it did. And I went, yeah, I, know, I know it says it does. Loads of films say that. So, yeah, that's what we're <laughs> dealing with. Um, so no one's, no one's convinced by this. I mean, that's kind of the plot. Um, once we get to the love camp, it's, I mean, it is pretty nasty. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, a lot of rape and stuff happening in this film. If you look at it that... These two people have gone there to volunteer, knowing that they're going to have to you know have sex with all these soldiers. But all the other women in that camp are basically raped on a daily basis. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I suppose eventually you'd accept your fate and just think, "Well, fuck it, I'm I'm here. I'm just going to have to have sex and grin and bear it." But like technically, that is rape. You know, they're they might being forced to have sex against their will. So what you've basically got is about an hour from once they get to the camp. Um, I mean, we're showing that one woman, you know, some guy asked her to do something. I don't know what it was. You know, we can only guess what he asked her to do. But she said no, and she got a beating for it. So they basically have to, you know, whatever these horrible soldiers want, they're basically going to get it. Mm. Um, And that's kind of the movie. I can't even remember what they're going in there for. It's to find someone, isn't it? I actually forgotten. Why why they're being sent in there in the first place? I mean, what would have been great for me would have been a plan a bit like um, in uh, Inglorious Bastards, where yes. they basically because all because all the top guys go to this camp to get these attractive women. You know, it's kind of it's the go to place. You know, all the all the highest ranking members of the Third Right go go here. So I thought it would have been a brilliant plan to fucking get it so they or they all get murdered. But it doesn't happen, does it? They're just going to go and rescue some woman, I think. Mm-hmm. So big missed opportunity. I'm probably giving it a bit too much credit there thinking that oh, that's what I thought they were going to do um, so, because this film shit. So, yeah, uh, to compare it to Tarantino is, is probably a bit unfair. Um, and then, yeah, there's just, I mean, the thing is with this, it's basically porn. It, it's the, the sex scenes. Some of them go on for about 10 minutes. Mm hmm don't they like, yeah. I think I just skipped through because it was just getting boring it was just like and then you know the, the women they're obviously they don't want the sex to happen so it's not a particularly titillating sex scene because it is basically rape they've yeah. all got horrible looks on the face like they've, you know, like they've just been given a fucking sour lemon so you just kind of sit through it. I can't even remember what happens at the end and I only watched it two days ago <laughs> over to you
0: <laughs>
3: I, <laughs> yeah it's just a I. I think the thing is, I think, had we seen this maybe first out of all the kind of Nazi slight exploitation sort of movies, I could have been like, oh, this is a wee bit, oh, this is a wee bit daring, this is something different and all the rest. But we've already seen two fairly sadistic
4: it's the tamest, isn't it, of the 3 yeah,
3: oh, by my, By far. And, I mean, a lot of that speaks to the time. I mean, it was made in 1969. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> it, it was made a long time before some of the other ones. You know, like, you're talking... Uh, cinema, in general, had changed in between that time. You know, you already had movies like yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre last House so on the left, Um these movies had come out. So, I can see them going down a, a darker, more sadistic tone... Um, I think the other thing that maybe hinders this one is the fact that it's it's an it's an American movie, and yeah. um, I I just don't think they have that wacky, zany sort of grittiness that you get from European similar uh, cinema tackling the same subject matter. So you don't yeah. you don't get that either. Um, yes, there's a lot of naked women in it, um, which yeah, it's I not mean much. yeah, was uh, <laughs> a hell of a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of, of of rape in it, but once again, it's not. We're not talking "I spit in your grave" levels of of, of cinema. We're talking about what you would have expected for that time. Um, yeah, it's not very well acted. The story's pretty preposterous. Um, it's I don't I I I I very much like yourself. I came away from finishing this movie with a kind of a. A blank as to what I'd actually just watched, um, and I watched this yeah. one two days ago as well, actually, and I'm kind of struggling to remember the last half an hour of it. I just, it just became <laughs> very, it became very beige. Um, wouldn't she you know, masturbate she'd lost interest in not you well well yeah, once, once I'd masturbated seven times Andy um, you know thank God thank God for Viagra that's all I'm saying um, it's a bit much isn't it yeah, well just, I yeah. thought you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do it do it right um, so, <laughs> so um, you just slide
4: off the bed like somebody you stuff your pyjamas in and just like in a heap on the floor all right, are you alright Duncan yeah I'm fine just, yeah, just watching uh, this pretty much I got to the stage that my ejaculate
3: was just like a puff of talcum powder it was just like <laughs> which, which is fairly graphic. Sorry, listeners. Um, but well, not, too far, left. too too much. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so what I just said. What I was going to say. What I just said there is far more insulting and graphic than anything in Love Cap Seven.
4: So it's just to put it into perspective. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's
3: it's not a very good movie. I mean, there's Carry On movies which are are more titillating, or you know, <laughs> than this movie.
4: Yeah,
3: it's just pish
4: yeah it's crap it's crap i mean like you say unfortunately because we're doing this in alphabetical order we've seen this after we've seen the other two which do contain some brutal bits you know even though most of the shit i mean obviously the hamster scene from one of them is ridiculous but you know i think the first we we can't watch them in reverse order didn't we because the first one we watched was the most brutal and the second one was not as brutal and then this one's just you know, no, no worse than anything that you'd find on Channel Five on a, you know, on a late Friday night. Right. Um, I don't know if there's any more coming up. I'm just quickly getting the list and to see if there's oh SS Experiment Camp. Yes. Which I would which I would assume is going to be of a similar nature. Yes. Uh, that's about, that's that's it. To be honest, I think I don't think there's really much. I, mean, I don't know what that one's like. Um, sounds good. The, the what, what I did write down in my notes is how did um, Ilsa avoid the list?
3: Um, that's probably a good question. I get the feeling that Ilsa had a bit more money behind it. I get the feeling that it was distributed okay. by a better company. and So I a think, bit like
4: Texas Chainsaw avoid, you know, and Friday the 13th they avoided the list just because of the clout then and pretty I, much. I think,
3: I think as well it, it depends when these movies were released as well, you know, in the UK I think some of these ones got let off just because they came out a bit before The Panic, you know what I mean if they came out maybe two I, or three years before The Panic for some reason these films don't appear on the list. It seems to be ones that got released eighty two, eighty three. 82, 83 you know, are are primarily the ones that end up flung on the list because, you know, they're almost they're seen as new titles to to fling in there, it it would appear that some of the older ones, um, not so much, so I don't know when Elsa Elsa's like uh, mid-70s, I I don't know when that got a a VHS uh, distribution in the UK but I think you might find that that one maybe came just before or it just had a bigger studio pushing it
4: okay Fair enough. Yeah. yeah
3: so um, rating it, what would you give
4: it? Slap on the wrist.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: no, I mean, there's not.
3: Do we? Or do we? Do we give it the lowest rating?
0: Um, I is don't know. It case, I, mean, is it, the, case the, I mean, when you. Well,
4: when you break it down, there is still about an hour of rape. So <laughs> I don't know if we can dismiss it, even though it's not a very convincing, rape because um, obviously that we've always said this haven't we like rape doesn't immediately put it on any kind of a list you know it's got to be convincing that you know the victim you've got to feel for the person it's got to be traumatic to watch yeah um and obviously this isn't but i think just the fact that it's an hour of rape we've we've got to give it a slap on the wrist
3: yeah i, uh, I, I, I
4: can't yeah. i don't think i can give it case dismissed just because of the content but it, it's it, it shouldn't be on the list it's uh It's a bit of a joke, this
3: movie, to be honest. You've convinced me. uh, Slapping the wrist should not be on the list. Um, So, yeah, I I would happily say that where me and Andy like to recommend movies, happily skip this one. (laughs) You'll gain nothing from this at all, um, (laughs) except calluses on your cock. Um, (laughs) You'll go blind. (laughs) Well, that's about it. Uh, right, so we're going to take uh, another break we're coming back with our final movie review of this episode it is Madhouse from 1981 and we'll be discussing that movie right after this.
2: Duke loves horror movies. I like them cheesy, I like them gritty I like them campy I love them all. He married Christine she hates them
5: I think they're senseless and upsetting.
2: Listen in as you searches through shelves of DVDs, VHS, and Blu-ray.
5: There are too many of these movies on the shelves. We need to just start getting rid of them.
2: In his never-ending quest to convert his lovely wife to the dark side. <laughs> Come to the dark side. In Christie's Christie's <laughs>
1: The only video nasty to quote George Bernard Shaw in its credits, Madhouse is not to be confused with the 1974 Vincent Price Peter Cushing movie of the same name. In fact, it was uh, released as There Was a Little Girl. The main character, played by Trish Everly in her only screen role, is a teacher whose mad, disfigured sister escapes from a home for the criminally insane and sets about murdering various people with the aid of a killer dog. The director of the movie was Ovidio G. Asinitis, um, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Well, he thought he was anyway, because he goes down in the record books as the guy who fired James Cameron from Piranha 2 because he thought he could do a better job. Uh, Now, what happened to James Cameron anyway? Anyway, I'm sure you'll enjoy, there was a little girl, AKA Madhouse. (laughs)
5: Hey, get out of here. We can start over. Just the two of us.
2: Our party is just beginning. <laughs> you can't leave yet. <laughs> you're not still afraid of her after all these years? The stories you used to tell. They
1: were not stories.
2: And you're frightened. What of?
1: On her birthday, she had this special ceremony. Soon it will be her birthday again. Remember? Remember? Remember how we used to celebrate, sister
5: dear? No. Remember what I did? How it hurt? I will make it hurt again. I will make you
1: suffer what I have suffered. Yeah! You'll never get away
3: from me. And welcome back. So this is the final movie review of episode 10 of Doing the Nasty. Um, This uh, review is for madhouse from 1981 also known as and when she was bad and there was a little girl which was the original title for the movie mm. uh, it was if directed. You put those two together it sounds a bit peedy doesn't it it does a wee bit uh, it was directed by ovidio g asanatus i think that's how you pronounce it unfortunately my yeah. egyptian is pretty pish Um, so I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it this dude um, I know because he has directed a movie which I think is fucking cheesy but awesome uh, called Beyond the Door I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's an exorcist I haven't seen that so, an Exorcist is like a blatant Exorcist ripoff from the from from um, like the it's about seventy three or seventy four, I think. Um, right. It's fucking amazing. Um, but he's he's more known as being a kind of like a, a heavy duty producer. He, he's he's his the list of like even if you jump over onto the IMDb's and you check yeah. to see movies that he's a producer for, is like thirty two credits and they continue. Right up to about two thousand and three. But some of the some of the titles on this list are fucking like, like big movies. You know what I mean? Like he, okay. I mean, he um, he worked on A uh, center of a Woman, I think. Uh, Al Pacino in terms of being a producer. Piranha Part Two, which I love, um mm. which is thing uh, Thingamajig's James Cameron's first movie, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. yeah, the, The movie that gave us Avatar. Awesome. Um, Sorry, I'm all joking. I really like that movie. Uh, (laughs) Motherfucker, Duncan, I hate you. Blue Uh, People. Blue People, yeah, the Blue Man Group. Um, So, yeah, this movie uh, is directed by this dude. Um, It's an Italian movie, um, filmed in America. (laughs) It's actually filmed in Georgia, um, which is. Kind of weird considering a lot of the ones that we've seen already on the list from Italy pretend they're in America when they're clearly still in Italy. Um, this was actually <laughs> saw, shot in Italy. And I mean, on a lot of respects, I quite like this movie. I think it, get, it plays to a lot of cinema that I enjoy you can you get this feeling that Argento on some level is a huge influence on this there is a kind mm. of uh, there's definitely a, that kind of giallo sort of feel about the movie, it's not a pure giallo though um, the story's kind of cliched by today's standards you know, girl with her sister is one of them evil, is one of them doing killings, she's being locked up sort of thing, but what, what I quite like about it is that in the, the highest regards of Argento, um, this one's set in a school. So it's very kind of... kind of nods at things like Suspiria and Phenomena, which obviously came after. But, you know, that sort of idea that it's set in this location. It's a school for deaf kids. And um, Yeah. I quite like that setting. Um, I think it's quite well shot. I think it suffers at times from being a bit slow in areas I think pace is a bit of an issue not a huge issue but there is pace and issues Um, the use of dogs in this movie is quite funny Um, these Rockwellers just appear and disappear and then appear and disappear and um, I'm assuming I don't know, I'm hoping that you know the answer to this, I'm assuming the reason this was put on the list was the dog death
4: I think so
3: Yeah, I can't think of any, but the clearly fake dog death
4: because I thought, oh, Duncan won't
3: like that when I no, saw it. No, but when I saw it, it was like clearly fucking fake. Plus, those dogs yeah. have been fa- It's not as if it's a killer just killing a dog. These dogs, the dog fucking he- hears Johnny through a door. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, fucking, it's like, he totally fucking jack-torns the door to get at someone. Oh, the yeah. way they kill him, though, with a drill, is I was like, really? A drill? Really? Uh, to me, this was that was the only thing that I thought this would merit this movie on some level this would merit someone thinking this movie should be on the list because the rest yeah. of it plays very much into a, a lot of Italian kind of mystery giallo horror cinema which is mysterious things are happening you know there's a killer somewhere we don't know who the killer is um we get led down the garden path thinking it's one person, but at the end, it's obviously too obvious to be that person. It turns out to be someone else. That person is someone that you didn't expect. Uh, the yeah. dogs being in it, I think, are solely there from an Argento thing. It's not the Suspiria with a dog that attacks its owner uh, for no reason at all. <laughs> um, I yeah. think Animal Attack was maybe something that was maybe in vogue in... Um, cinema. Yeah, a
4: random. Yeah, I think the I mean, score's
3: pretty good one. I, I think it's shot really well, actually. I think it's, it's shot... I think it's only when we've watched a couple of the movies that we have in the last couple of weeks that when a movie like this comes across, you notice things like framing of a shot. Um, you're like, oh, holy fuck, this looks like... they must have a budget here. Um, it's it's not amazing. It's not, it's not... it's certainly not on the level of some of the Jallos that we will end up talking about Coming up further on in some of the shows, Um yeah, it's 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 a harmless thriller. I think it, it it doesn't it doesn't do enough to make it a movie that I'd be like, this is mind blowing. How have I never heard of this before? Um But at the same time, it's not a bad movie either. It's kind of harmless actually in the long run. What did you think?
1: Yeah,
4: I mean, I thought they were going to do the thing where it would be the sister. I know, not the sister, but I thought it'd be like her doing the killings all along or something and the sister was a fake out. So the ending that they did do, uh, it it was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, Apart from that, yeah, it's just pretty generic. The the dog thing's a bit random, isn't it? It made me laugh. I'll try and get a still of it. Like when the dog kills the kid. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a dog pull that face. The dog... (laughs) Looked like he was in a gurning competition or like he was trying to hold a pencil between its lips, but keeps his teeth apart The say It was, just, it was <laughs> the most bizarre look on this dog's face. It was great. It's like it's super almost like I don't know, maybe they'd put like peanut butter in his mouth or and it was I don't know. It was fucking weird, but it made me laugh and they probably shouldn't have done because it was just about to kill a child. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the dog just goes around like. I mean when the when the dogs attacking the other this other guy here it kills. You can see like the attack arm that the police use, can't <laughs> you? Like under his jacket, um, and then the dog kind of proceeds to bite his arm clean off. Which again, yeah. I just thought oh, that wouldn't that wouldn't happen. Um, not don't mean to be racist, so I'm obviously about to be whenever you say that. <laughs> oh, no, Andy, what the you Chinese did. guy right, that speaks like really bad pidgin English, but can pronounce his L's and his R's perfectly. Nitpicking, but I'm thinking if you can say lonely instead of ronary, I think you've probably got a pretty good grasp on the English language, and your pidgin English probably wouldn't be that bad. Uh, that's my main point. The the kid in the school, oh, this made me laugh, right, if you're teaching deaf kids and you tell one of the deaf kids by sign language to close his eyes, and then you fuck off, Yeah, you've got to tell him where you're going. Because I just thought, how long is that kid sat there with his eyes shut, thinking, what are we, what are we doing? She <laughs> told me to shut my eyes, and then one of her colleagues called her away, and she just left the, blind, the deaf kid with his eyes shut. And that just made me laugh. Um, and <laughs> I thought, you'd, you'd fail an Ofsted inspection <laughs> for that. That's a hard word. The only thing that I did think was cool, um, it had one of the kind of the, the darkest kind of quotes that I really liked. What one of the characters said, and I thought this quote is far too good for this movie. Um, and I thought this is like perfectly sums up someone that basically their life is a living hell. She said, uh, Most people's nightmares end when they wake up, mine yeah. begins. That's a fucking great quote. Like, you know, someone that lives in permanent turmoil and has just got horrible thoughts racing through their head. That's a great quote. Mm. Um, that's it though uh, obviously the end bit is who is he the guy is he the, the priest or so I can't remember who he is the guy that we find out is doing the killings yeah yeah Aye. is he, a, is is he, he a the priest? uncle I can't No, I, th- I thought
3: it was...
4: it might be the uncle is he the uncle I thought it was um, uncle yeah, I think he is the uncle. Obviously, he's trained his dog to kill people, but he's doing the killings. And like, I like the scene at the end, kind of where we get around, like everyone's sitting around the table and they're all dead. I think that's pretty cool. And like, she doesn't know at first, does she? Because she's like blindfolded, And He says, "Oh, I got a surprise for you." And I thought that was pretty good because all the people looked dead. And I thought that was quite a good sort of good little bit of special effects. Um, but then he kills the sister as well, which I kind of thought, well, why? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's not really a lot to say about this film. Like you say, it's on the list because when the dog's attacking the guy, he decides to to drill it through the skull. Um, the dog head looks incredibly fake. It's kind of got a fixed expression. Like whoever did like to the you know the art department for the dog, it was it's just not very convincing. And that could have been really fucking nasty. Um, yeah. You know even with even with the fact that the dog was trying to kill him you know so you can forgive him that he kills the dog to drill it through its skull is fucking horrendous mm-hmm. um but it's just executed so badly it kind of takes away from anything and i really can't think of any other reason why why that would be on the list um because the killings aren't particularly brutal um you know there's, there's people being attacked by dogs which i suppose might hit a nerve with some people but again it's it's pretty tame um, considering most of the stuff that we've seen especially by 1981 yeah. you know this this is kind of literally only about 12 months before so I can imagine this probably got caught up because it had just been released when the whole video nasties thing happened Um so it probably was not hard to be on someone's radar uh, I don't think the video cover or the title would do it no. um, so one of these busybodies has probably watched this film got to the bit where they drill a dog through the head and think well I don't know why they're bothered actually that's just made me realise that like, if these films affect dogs as well fucking we <laughs> kill the dogs you know I don't know why people are so bothered about the dogs uh,
3: I, I don't know I, I just I, to me it, it feels like the sort of movie which I, I mean obviously the the nastiest thing probably has shown a spotlight on a movie which should probably just went under the radar yeah like, I, I mean if this
4: st- go on go on.
3: I was going to say I get the feeling that the, the only reason we're, we are sitting just now talking about Madhouse obviously it's because it's on the Video Nasties pod podcast move you know we need to we need to obviously cover the movies in there but the only reason that people would be talking about this movie with any degree of detail or depth is most likely because it was it was tagged with that very unfairly in my opinion um, yeah. where I consider some of the movies some of the Jallos that precede it, which are incredibly mean spirited in comparison to this, you know, for example, Deep Red, um, you know, <laughs> which is fucking it's far gorier than this movie, and um, it kind of feels Maybe, like
4: you were I saying. Did dog Maybe, maybe this was one of the films that they made a dog watch, and the dog went, "I can't undo that." He's drilled through someone, and they're going, "Right, if I can get that it's dog, like, was really he's
3: upset." Like, he's like, "Oh no, Kevin!"
4: <laughs> yeah,
3: I knew him. You bastards.
4: So yeah, maybe that was what it was. But now, like you say, there's far, far worse stuff that didn't make the list than this. Yeah, so,
3: yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm coming in. It was a quick review, but there's really not enough to say about this movie. I would still say check it out if you if you like. Italian cinema. If you like Jallo's or, or movies influenced by Jallos, it's not it's not per se a giallo. But um if you like to see maybe movies which maybe fall under the radar of kinda seventies, eighties Italian cinema, then this is one you should check out. And it's like obviously a co production between Italy and America, but I, I think it's worth checking out. Um, I don't think it's gonna set your world on fire. You probably only ever watch it once. I've seen it now, I don't need to watch it again. But um, if you're a completist then yeah definitely definitely check it out um, I would say it's a to me yeah I'm, I'm uh, case dismissed I, I don't think there's enough in this movie even with a kid dying <laughs> yeah. um, and a dog a fake dog being drilled through the head it's so clearly fake um, it's a case dismissed for me and it did not deserve to be on the list what about yourself
4: yeah, do you know what? I just, I momentarily forgot that we had the case dismissed option. So yeah, totally. Uh, even though we only just mentioned it about ten minutes ago, I was going <laughs> to go. I was going to go. Oh yeah, slap on the wrist. and now I forgot we can we can go lower than that. So yeah, yeah we absolutely should with this one because it is just so tame. You know, it's yeah, it, it shouldn't be on the list. It, it's it's case dismissed. I don't know what they were thinking. To be honest, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's it. That's it for this. There's not a lot to say. Like I say, it is, it's a short review, but it's a short review because it's it's an, really a non-event. Because the main things, you know, the main reasons our reviews go on, you know, like obviously last week's was quite a long one. Last House on the left, I suppose, was probably the longest one out of the ones we talked about tonight, is because there's really specific bits that are obviously quite deep rooted in you know people's memories and and still hold up today is quite difficult viewing. Yeah,
0: it's about there's quantity. Nothing-
4: there's nothing to talk about in this it's, there's even less to talk about in this than Love Camp 7 it's just, it's kind of a non-event of a film as far as video nasties go it just, yeah. it, it shouldn't have ever, you know, it's almost like it was put on there by mistake, it just, it should never have happened but yeah, check it out because it's not a terrible film, it's just not a it's not a nasty, is it?
3: Yeah, definitely not, definitely not we're going to take a short break um, it's our final break of the show, you're going to hear promos for shows on the network which is horophilia by the way if you didn't know already um, and when we return we're going to be closing out the show right after this Banana
0: Laser is filmed in front of a live studio audience
5: Hey Wazelle I think we should record a new ad for
0: Banana Laser Great idea Dave We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex What? I heard my name I think we should
5: talk about the retrospectives they've been a pretty big hit fucking Friday the 13th, Saw Halloween
0: retrospective Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition.
5: Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised, I do too. You listen
0: to your own podcast? Yeah, Yeah, our, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of, or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we
5: covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s.
0: We could talk about you doing mushrooms.
5: <laughs> yeah, we can. Are you writing this down?
0: Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ads should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find her show and its full archive on Horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube... Um, is there anything else?
5: I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, well, hold on. We can talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's, uh, the in between episodes. Yeah,
0: all about horror news releases, and of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. <laughs> And a laser wins every time. And welcome back. So that's the three
4: films from this evening. One pretty heavy hitter, and then two that have just kind of fizzled out like a fart in the wind. <laughs> Love Camp Seven <laughs> and Madhouse. Um next week we've got Mardi Gras Massacre.
3: Which sounds uh, interesting. I I'm, I'm my interest is peaked for this mm,
4: one. Could be good. Uh Nightmare and a Damaged Brain, which I think I've I think that's quite a Well known one, um, yeah, even I'm,
3: I'm sure I've seen that. I'm, I'm sure I've seen that
4: okay. And then Night of the Bloody Apes,
3: And I've seen that. I well. <laughs> don't
4: know if that's bloody as in they're covered in blood. Oh, you bloody apes! I don't know, you <laughs> British thing. <laughs> like, like, um, an, old, an old British man, an Alf
3: Garnett sort of character, just Chief annoyed,
4: <laughs> yeah, with apes. He's just pissed off at him and they're there all night. So, Night of the I'm sure I've seen
3: apes. that one as well. I'm sure I've seen two for next week. I'll not know until I actually sit and watch them, but I'm sure I've seen. Night of the Bloody Apes. That, that rings. That does ring a bell with me. Uh, and the other one does as well. But uh, you know, you end up. You know, what it's like you end up talking about titles so much that sometimes you convince yourself you've seen them. Um, and it'll yeah. be the first time yeah, I have said I've seen two movies for so next week, I said I'm like, no, I've not seen this one. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's easy, they all kind of roll into one. Like there's obviously the standout ones which you know you'll never be able to wipe from your memory, <laughs> and then there's these kind of things that. You know, I, I think if you asked me in a year's time to name the the Nazi exploitation movies, I'd probably have difficulty recalling either of the three, to be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, so hopefully we've got some some kind of better ones coming up. We're not that far from the end now uh, of the Prosecuted List. There's 13 episodes in the Prosecuted. Yeah. We were quite lucky, really, weren't we? That these, these fell in, they were, everything was divisible by three. Yeah, so there was yeah, a, that, yeah, the right amount of uh, Prosecuted and then the same non-Prosecuted, that was also a nice kind of three per show so number 11 next week um then obviously just 12 and 13 13 is the one i'm particularly looking forward oh, to
3: 13 is going to be fucking
4: badass unlucky for some but uh look i mean i've i've actually bought tenebrae especially for this I and I've bought yeah
0: yeah
4: Got like, the Arrow release. Uh, I've already got Zombie Flesh Is the Arrow release? They're both really good uh, cuts of that movie. I've not seen the Werewolf and the Yeti. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, I,
3: fuck, fuck that movie! All that all that people need to know is that in episode thirteen we're talking Argento and Fulci on the same fucking episode. That makes yeah. me happy in ways which I can't describe. Uh, and do you know what? I,
4: I love <laughs> I love Zombie Flesh is so much. I almost I went to put it in the other day and I thought, no, wait, because wait, like what? you you're gonna have to watch it like again in, in like a month you know in probably three weeks time but oh, i f- oh, i fucking love that movie yeah um, it's been
3: years since i've seen it like years since okay. I've seen it. i own it i've never watched Darrow cut of it i bought it's it great. i've never watched it um it's a movie that i have a kind of love-hate relationship with i don't necessarily think it's uh, i i much prefer when you went on and did his you know gates of hell trilogy i thought he he handled plot a bit better and story, but it has been years since mm. I've seen it. So that, that that opinion, my love of Italian cinema, has only grown since then, so there's a very good chance that I'll sit down and watch that movie. And it will prove me wrong yeah. and slap me in the face.
4: I hope so, Um, cause I fucking love it. I've not seen Tenebrae for absolutely years. Um, I, re- I got really fucking lucky on eBay. Um, I think someone had kind of listed it wrong, and I'm not sure if they spelt Tenebrae wrong, <laughs> Um, but... <clears throat> Luckily for me, I got the uh, the arrow cut with the slipcase, and it's got the poster and the booklet and the four little postcard art cards that are still in their cellophane, and I got uh, it for seven quid. He's cool. probably really annoyed because it's probably it's about it goes for about fifteen twenty. Um, yeah,
3: yeah, that's the one I've got. So, yeah. I've, I've I own that copy. Yeah. So um, and yeah, well I've made no secrets before. It's my favorite Argento. Sorry, so. go on. yeah oh, yeah, massive yeah, fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, but it's my favorite Argento movie. I mean, like of all the movies Argento did tenebrae is my favorite so i can't wait okay to, i can't well, wait to talk about it
4: awesome let's just briefly touch on the prices that these arrow f- movies are going for now for some reason it's not just the <laughs> arrow it's not the arrow blu-rays that are going for the cash it's the arrow blu-rays in the little window box slipcase. that's what jacks the
2: prices. yeah
3: it's not yeah. it's because i noticed actually when they were posting a lot of their new titles um from the last room there which some of them just blew my mind. That that video uh box set thing is just yeah. fucking oh I was like yeah I've already pre ordered it. Um, yeah. Another and cool got thing about Arrow, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the other cool thing about Arrow Andy and I, 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 we never really, we discuss it on here because it's the, it's our go to source for a lot of these, you know, a lot of a lot of great purchases but a lot of the nasties have already come out through. Yeah. Um, Arrow, because that's kind of where they jumped in when they f- first started as a company doing Arrow Video as a, a subdivision yeah. of Arrow Films. They kind of mm. targeted the nasties, and that's where they, where they went out with, with quite a lot of their movies. Um, yeah. But when you buy movies from Arrow, you accrue points. Directly from Arrow, you accrue points. And I didn't know this. Okay. Right? So mm-hmm. the more you buy, the more points you get. So I bought a lot from Arrow, especially in their sales. Um, so when I came to to buy the video drone um, uh, box set, which is I think it's like 27 pounds, it's like I, one of the more expensive ones, but it's limited edition and all the rest. Um, yeah. I was like, that. Uh, I'd go in day one, yeah, I probably should go in day one. And I went in there to find out that I had 30 pounds <laughs> worth of points Actually, stored wow. up in there, so um. Yeah, I, I used I used that money, uh, him and uh, I got myself Contamination, which is also a movie from the Nasties list, which is about yes, to come out. Yeah, yeah, that so keeps
4: that keeps popping up in my recommended on Amazon. That one.
3: Yeah, so I've got I've got that one. I I treated myself to that for for very little extra cost as well. So, but you were saying about Arrow, um, like the when they announced a new set of titles, one of the things that they had what was noticeable in terms of their posts and someone called them on it was this move away from booklets yeah
4: Um, posters well you don't seem to get now yeah
3: yeah, well, they're still doing, like, booklets at the moment. They have definitely stopped doing the posters. Scream Factory still do that for pre-orders, so if you pre-order a Scream Factory title, you get a poster. But mm-hmm. none of the Scream Factory titles, except the special edition ones, have a booklet. And Arrow appear to be going down a similar road. The difference being that Arrow have said that they are aware that certain people will want booklets and things like that as well. So there may be, like, a payment option of, like, a... Like a, a slightly better version of it, which comes with a booklet for an extra couple. Nah, no, that's bullshit. Just give it to
4: everyone.
3: Which yeah, which I don't agree what? with as a concept. I think, I think, no. I think if, if you're a company which has been running very well with with a rabid cult fan base because people respect the product, and that's first and foremost. Yeah, we, we all want the film, but. We respect the way that Arrow puts the film out, the product, and part of that product is a booklet where you have journalistic notes, you have people that were involved with the movie, you know, cinematographers writing their wee bits, people that that look at it from a cultural perspective of, of what the movie attained and all the rest. It's the cost of a booklet. I will throw out there that booklets on mass bulk do not cost...
4: That,
3: yeah, that much money that you cannot continue putting them in it's what separates you from companies like 88 Films because um, their booklets are tiny there's next to nothing in their booklets we, as consumers that have grown up with this, this, this golden age of um, a remastered blu-rays for cult horror and exploitation cinema all we want is the alternative artwork which you pay artists to do which is phenomenal with the option to change it back to the original one what we also want is the the booklet yeah i like the the posters and all the rest i can kind of see why they moved away from that um i can kind of see why they moved away from the window box sets as well that is additional cost and all the rest but Don't do away with the fucking booklets, that's cheap And that'll make no. your products cheap
4: Exactly, I mean just to give people An idea of kind of what sort of prices These window box editions are fetching Like Deep Red is about £45, £50 pounds If you want to buy a copy Jeez. of that now um, Necromantic, which is not A window box but it's like a quite a big set It's quite an impressive set That goes for about 75 80 quid. 80 Fuck um, off, I've
3: got that as well
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um Dawn of the Dead. Now this is my pride and joy that sits Honestly, on my show. Yeah, it's a fucking, It's you. a lovely it's a lovely set, right? It's got about three different versions of the movie. It's three discs, it's full of documentaries, you get a poster, you get a booklet, you get all well, it's great. It's about a hundred pounds if you want a new copy of that. Yeah. Used ones used ones intact with the poster and everything go for about seventy five on eBay. Um which is insane. I mean the Day of the Dead. If you're lucky enough to find one of those, like I found one the other day, not only do you get the poster uh, and a booklet and two discs with loads of documentaries and like Tom Savini interviews and all sorts, you actually get a, a comic. That's right. And inside the comic, it basically tells you how Bub became a zombie, mm-hmm. which is fucking great. I mean, like, that's rare, isn't it, to get some to get something that good in a narrow release, but. Yeah, you know, if, actually,
3: it's, I, if it's pre-owned, then definitely you tend to find those are the things that are missing when you buy anything. Well,
4: used. that's the thing. I had a copy that had everything apart from the comic, so I managed to find a copy that had the comic in. I bought that and then I sold mine, so I only lost about a fiver money-wise. But you know, so for me, I paid basically a fiver extra to get the comic that I've not read yet. I just think that's fucking that's great. I don't know who commissioned that, and I don't really know who did the story because, like I say, I've not looked at it. But just the fact that that's actually giving a backstory to one of the main characters—that's a fucking gem. If you're a yeah. you know if you're a fan, you know if you're a kind of a geek boy like I am, that kind of thing's <laughs> fantastic, isn't it? And yeah. the fact that they're going to stop doing stuff like that—I just think you know, come on, guys, you're the reason people go to stuff. If you're going to stop putting things like that in your Blu-rays, people are just going to buy them secondhand because it won't matter if they, those things are missing. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like By putting things like that in your packages, that will guarantee people will buy it directly from your site. So I think it's a fucking bad move. Um, yeah, I don't really know why they're doing that because like you say, they've done very fucking well and they've even expanded to America. So it's not like this is a company that's not thriving. You know, yeah. so... Uh, um, anyway, back to we've gone on, on a massive tangent yeah, about Arrow. Back but
3: to the, the, the video next,
4: uh, in, in three episodes' time, we get to watch two of our lovely Arrow releases, um, which is great. But next episode, like we say, Mardi Gras Massacre, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, and Night of the Bloody Apes. So, as always, Duncan will post them up on the YouTube site if you want to keep up with us. Um, i know a few people are kind of trudging through these movies with it and (laughs) fair play to you
3: (laughs) i feel sorry for you i really really do um i wish you would wait till the show drops so you could hear us tell you not to watch them Um, yeah (laughs) we do it so you don't have to Um, to. yeah so yeah but um yeah i'm looking forward to closing out the the prosecuted list and then moving on to the non-prosecuted list which has a, a lot of titles which will be a lot more recognisable to listeners out there. You will have heard of a lot of these titles just because they're bigger names. They're ones that were yeah. were, were guilty by association as opposed to just being guilty. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, until then though, Andy, until that episode drops um, and until we close out our prosecuting list, we need to go away and do some research and watch some movies. So would you like to say goodbye to our listeners, please?
4: Goodbye, listeners.
3: And, um... Please make sure you check out our other shows. I do a show called Podcast Under the Stairs. You can check that out at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and it's also on Legion Podcast Network. My colleague, Andy Blockley, does the big horror and Little Podcasts. Which you oh yeah, I've got to. a new
4: episode out. <laughs>
3: you do finally have a new episode. I've all the time to promote it. Now is the time you were supposed to promote it. And you're just like, when I asked you what you've been up to, you're just like, oh, I've been watching this and that. I'm like, no, you've been watching Well, do you know what?
4: because it recorded it. It's because we recorded it so long ago and I just hadn't got around to editing it down and then we lost the Jaws, you know, the Jaws review got lost, so we just released it kind of as it was um, with Alien and Omen. And yeah, please go and check that out because we have some really good discussions on that um, just for kind of finishing off our 70s back catalogue. So as with uh, Duncan's, that can be found on Legion Podcasts. I only posted it up uh, the other day. Actually, no, by the time this show goes live, it'll probably have dropped off the feed, but you can check it out in, uh, in the drop down. Thing. And obviously, if you go to uh, bighorrorandlittlepodcast.wordpress.com you can find that episode and the other seven.
3: Yes, yes, go check it out. And until we speak to you then, please take care of yourselves. And um, uh, well, bye. <laughs>
0: bye. 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 Ah. Next. Oh.
1: Next. Next.
2: Yeah. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so...
1: These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting
2: those who watched it.
1: I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.